0: Good morning. It's 8.30. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, Insurance Commissioner Mike Cheney explains how a new waiver could save millions in health care premiums for some Mississippians. The
1: transitional relief granted today, specifically for Mississippi, affects over 200,000 people, whereas we only have less than 70,000 enrolled in the Affordable Care Act better known as a federal marketplace so you can see today's action affects three times as many people as the affordable care act does in our state that's big
0: then we'll talk to the director of the gulf coast va about efforts to improve health outcomes for coastal veterans and a visit with the reigning miss mississippi that's all coming up this is mississippi edition on mpb think radio A new waiver from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services will save some Mississippians from a 65% increase in their health insurance premiums. That's according to Insurance Commissioner Mike Cheney. He says without the waiver, more than 200,000 Mississippians with coverage known as transitional policies would have faced the steep rate increase next December. Cheney joins MPB's Ezra Wall to talk about the waiver.
1: Under the Obama administration, we'd ask for relief from policies that were sold before the ACA was enacted up until 2013. We ask that those policies be allowed to continue until sometime in the future. The Obama administration gave us a, a one-year relief, and then they gave us another three months and, and another year. And long story short, the policies were due to expire in December of 2017, and today's action grants us a one-year extension, which will allow the new administration under President Trump to and Secretary Price to look at some changes. What this means for Mississippi is this simple. We were looking at a 65% average rate increase for health insurance on over 200,000 Mississippians to be compliant to the Affordable Care Act. So this will keep rates level. Uh, We had estimated that 100,000 more people would join the uninsured ranks in Mississippi if relief was not granted. So this keeps 100,000 people from going into the uninsured ranks and entering to possibly the Medicaid rolls. I can only say that uh, this is for a year, but the administration has assured us this gives them time to look at the total Obamacare package that's there or the Affordable Care Act and and make some decisions that will be long range.
2: So this involves policies that are Already in place, as you said, uh, that, that there was a, a, some, a grace period of sorts given for the last couple of years, since 2013. Or do the policies themselves stay the same, or, or are the policies required to meet the requirements of the Affordable Care Act in terms of the th- kinds of things that they cover and the, the level of coverage and the level of deductibles and all that sort of thing?
1: Policy relief granted today will keep the policies the same as they are today. If they had to meet the mandate under the Affordable Care Act, as an example, your out-of-pocket expense may go from a couple of hundred dollars a year to $6,000 a year, which is outrageous for most people. And that that was one of the problems uh, with the Affordable Care Act. Uh, they wanted all policies to be the same, and some people had policies that were very good. They wanted to keep them. There is d- a difference in the deductible, the insurance out-of-pocket restrictions, essential health benefits and uh, the fact that you had some flexibility on health savings accounts, things that we asked for that we hadn't been getting. And there's some other factors that um, would affect things like the 3-to-1 ratio under the Affordable Care Act was actually a 5-to-1 under transitional policies, which made them cheaper. And for small groups, it's 50 or less individuals. There's no rating factor or what we call a standard industry classification based on the type of work the employer performs, the employee performs. So it was a, a policy that was cheaper for the group, and it provided essentially the same benefits but less out-of-pocket costs. And cheaper to give to the consumer.
2: There's been much, much talk, uh, especially uh, since President Trump has taken office, about exactly what the process is going to be as Congress deals with the Affordable Care Act and its requirements, the provisions of it that are more popular, the provisions of it that are less popular. Um, has there been any, any indication to you as insurance commissioner what, what direction that might be headed as they try to resolve whatever it is that they would like to do with Obamacare?
1: Well, yes, we have had. We've had some input into what direction we think they want to go since the 20th of January of of 2017, and some of that input was that we thought transitional plans should be continued simply from the fact, well, I'll give you a quick example. The average transitional rate for an individual is $272 today. Under uh, the Affordable Care Act, it would be $453. So you could see the rates could go up as much as 500% in some cases. That's number one. Number two, we've asked that uh, we look at health savings accounts, which are extremely important to individuals. That means if you your employer gives you, say, seven, eight thousand dollars a year for health insurance, if you could buy a policy for six thousand because you're healthy, you could bank the difference. You couldn't spend it. You could bank it. And if you got sick and needed, uh, some major medical and had a big out-of-pocket expense, the health savings accounts would pay for it and it wouldn't have to come out of your current checking account. So it saves the consumer money. It gives them flexibility if something happened to them. If he had a knee replacement or a hip replacement, they have money to, to pay the copay. So those are the changes we're seeing immediately. I think you will see some changes on, uh, the high-risk pools. They'll come back. We did not do away with our high-risk pools in Mississippi. We kept them as a matter of precaution, and it's paying off because we're one of the few states that still has an operational risk pool, although we have depopulated. And the risk pool means that if you can't buy from anywhere – uh, you can always go to the risk pool, and you'll pay a little more, but you can uh, be assured you get insurance. So it goes. List goes on and on and on, Ezra.
2: Would it would it concern you if there were if there was major action taken to repeal the Obamacare or the Affordable Care Act as it exists without having a ready replacement? I, I think you've
1: got to have a plan in place. So the answer is yes. It would concern me if we repealed it without a workable plan in place. You've got to have something that works. It affects too many lives. Uh, but by comparison, the transitional relief granted today, specifically for Mississippi, affects over 200,000 people, whereas we only have less than 70,000 enrolled in the Affordable Care Act, but are known as the federal marketplace. So you can see today's action affects three times as many people as the Affordable Care Act does in our state. That's big. People don't understand how big that is. I've worked on it for a year and a half trying to get this done, and I just have to come in work her and work here and Cochran, though, though and, and harbor those three guys have been the people that have cared the water for us in D.C. Uh,
2: commissioner Mike Cheney, the uh, insurance commissioner from the state of Mississippi, thank you very much for explaining this to us today and for spending some time with us this morning. Thank you.
0: We'll talk to the director of the Gulf Coast VA about efforts to improve health outcomes for coastal veterans. That's next. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB
3: Think Radio. You work hard to offer a high-quality, unique product, and you need an audience that appreciates this. MPB listeners go out of their way to find diverse perspectives and award-winning news and programming. Make our audience your audience with an MPB underwriting credit. For more information, go to mpbonline.org.
0: This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. The director of the Gulf Coast Veterans Health System says veterans are able to see a primary care provider in 30 days or less at the Gulf Coast VA 93% of the time. To try to make that 100%, Anthony Dawson says he's looking for creative ways to partner with community providers, including local hospitals and doctors. Dawson spoke with MPB's Evelina Burnett.
4: We had some challenges over 16. But as the year ended, we began to uh, make some significant strides forward. One of our main uh, challenges was that dealing with getting the staff into the organization. And when we don't have the staff, we have to do things to make sure that the veterans are indeed in a safe environment. So this would require us to temporarily take some beds out of services uh, would be one example of just doing that. Now we're on the up. You know i 'm able to recruit a number of these individuals that we need to make sure that the beds are open and make sure that we have a safe environment, which is my number one priority is patient safety
3: have you been doing something different in terms of recruitment or retention? have you found? something that seems to work in terms of trying to get the staff here?
4: Well, yes, we use all those authorities available to us for our recruitment incentives. That's number one for sure. But what I've also done is have the individuals uh, who have liked disciplines to talk to some of the individuals out there to whereas we did a lot at first with HR recruiting, announcing it on USA Jobs and these other places. Now I'm encouraging, for example, doctors to go out and talk to doctors. You know, find people, help us to find them at your uh, organizations uh, or professional organizations meetings or whatever you have. You too can help us recruit. And I think that's really, really helpful because a lot of people are coming in uh, to the organization who know uh, other people who work in the organization. So a vast vast spread of our recruitment efforts, and not just through HR.
3: You mentioned during your talk that you're now at 93% of uh, primary care visits are within 30 days. Mm -hmm. Um, How does that compare to where you've been in the past, and are you going to be able to bridge the gap for that? 7% that is, I guess, taking longer
4: than 30 days? Yes, we've always been in that vicinity uh, over the last few years, but what's important is how we're going to move forward to bridge that gap. And what we have to do to bridge that gap is to make sure that we partner with the community better than we have. Now, we always have, but we're looking at more creative ways in order to uh, work with the community because there's only so much capacity we can take care of here, and the veterans don't deserve to wait uh, any longer than uh, necessary. So our goal in 30 days, whether it happens here at the facility, whether it happens down the street at Merritt or Gulfport Memorial, or whether it happens next door at Keesler or the Navy Hospital. Uh, we're going after all avenues to make sure that. We also have gone to the community to, uh, uh, to secure provider agreements too. Those uh, providers uh, are physicians that want to come work for the VA. We also are using now more telehealth to where a person might be in Little Rock but doing some work uh, here for us where it doesn't necessarily require face-to-face uh, or in-person visits and all. So we're combining a lot of things to take us on over the top.
3: You mentioned during your talk that you spent about $76 million last year on community care. Um, or that I guess that's care for VA patients but outside in the community. How does that compare to what you've spent in the past, and what do you think for this year?
4: It has increased. Uh, if I remember correctly, when I came here almost five years ago, we were spending somewhere around 60 million and uh, 76 million, uh, of course, last year. But this year, I think that we're on target probably to go about another 6 million above that. Because, see, one thing that, that has happened is that the better care that is perceived that we we give and the better care we know that we get, you know, more people want to come. So this is why our numbers of patients are also increasing uh, here. So if the number's increasing, you know, you become a victim of your own success, you do things well, people want to come to you. And we know we don't have the capacity it's going to require that we spend more money uh, in the community, in the community, whether it's through the choice program, a fee program, or whatever we, we have to do in order to do that. So, uh, yes, I think it will grow a little bit more until we get some other things under control.
3: So, most people are not going to run into you. <laughs> so, but if they if they have, know a veteran who needs help, how do you recommend that they get in touch with the VA?
4: Well, first of all, if they notice anyone that works at the VA, uh, and you know that that person actually worked or talk to them, and they can definitely let you know, because what I've been sharing around here at the medical center, uh, very strongly, at least for the last two years in particular, is advocating for the veterans. Uh, I don't believe in, well, we don't know how that works and let them go. I believe in warm hands-offs and things like that. But If they want to uh, contact the facility, we do have, um, uh, we can be contacted online. Uh, We do have a lot of social media that's out there. Um, So there's a lot of ways to call in and call into the uh, organization uh, to get help. Coming up, a visit with the reigning Miss Mississippi. That's next. And that
0: was Gulf Coast VA Director Anthony Dawson with our Evelina Burnett. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
2: I'm Eric Westervelt. Step on the gas, get out of here. I don't want to die in this town. The old 97s have been cranking out their alt-country barroom rock for nearly a quarter century. We'll talk with leader Rhett Miller about the band's new album next time on
3: Here and Now. Today at noon on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts of your favorite MPB Think Radio programs are available now. With any podcast app, you can search, subscribe, and never miss a second of MPB Think Radio.
0: Mississippi edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. When Laura Lee Lewis entered her first pageant, the Miss Mississippi crown seemed a long way off. The Brookhaven native says at the time, a medical condition affected her appearance. It was the mentorship of a school principal that taught her to find confidence in her abilities and her intellect. Now, as Miss Mississippi, Laura Lee Lewis travels the state speaking to students about mentorship and about believing in themselves. Lewis talks with us about her long road to Miss Mississippi.
5: I was influenced at a very young age by my elementary principal. This goes back to why my platform as Miss Mississippi is mentoring matters, because at a time where in my life I felt the lowest of the low, she took the time to tell me I was special. How old were you? I was in the third and fourth grade. Why did you feel the
0: lowest of the low?
5: I had a facial condition called mid-face hypoplasia, which basically the lower part of my face was extremely overdeveloped and the upper part of my face was extremely underdeveloped. And, you know, kids can be really mean if you're different. And my face was to them ugly. They even said, why is your face so ugly? What's wrong with you? Why do you look like that? Can you get that fixed? You know, why why do you look that way? And for a little girl, being different and being poked at and made fun of because I looked different was very, it, it made me insecure. Um, I didn't believe in myself as much as I do now. And I owe a lot of that to my family and to Miss Fern, my principal, because she just brought me into her office and spent time with me and told me that no matter what someone said about me that was negative, that she saw potential in me to be a leader and she believed in me no matter what. So immediately for years, I started planning. I even played pretend school at home. Every day, that was the one game I always wanted to play because I wanted to be just like her. Went to college at Mississippi State, had another major, and thought that was the career path I wanted to be on, but really deep down, I wanted to be Miss Vern. Quickly, immediately changed my major back to elementary education. Haven't changed since. I want to be a principal or a superintendent just like Miss Vern and make an impact just like she did on me to another little girl. Would you like to stay in Mississippi? Absolutely. That is, and you know, unless God leads me somewhere um, different, I want to stay in Mississippi because Mississippi has... Have been my family forever I've, I've always lived in Mississippi Mississippians have encouraged me they've loved me as Miss Mississippi I've never felt so much love going to Miss America I just had the most amazing and incredible support group from Mississippi and so why would I want to go anywhere else? Do you have
0: to take off this year from MSU? Yes I be- do
5: sadly but this this job is so demanding with my time I'm on the road 24-7 this crown is on my head every day I, Not no complaints whatsoever but there's no time for me to be in school so part of being Miss Mississippi is I have to take a year off So, but I'll be back at, Miss, at Mississippi State in the fall and I can't wait to be back to my If family. you're
0: on The job twenty four seven. Give us an idea of what a week in your life is.
5: A week in my life. Well, I'll give you an example of this week. Uh, Starting off this week, this previous weekend, I was at in Vicksburg for the Miss Mississippi orientation. That's three days of extensive meetings, rehearsals, recordings, interviews with press. Then the the Following Monday, I'm in Gulfport or Moss Point, Mississippi. I'm at a late night venue for a ball that they have down in Moss Point. I'm there all late into the evening till about 10, 11 o'clock. I wake up, get up at about 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning, drive to Brookhaven, Mississippi. I have an appearance there right immediately after that appearance. I You're drive from to, Brookhaven. I'm from Brookhaven, so that was home. I drive directly after that program to Jackson, Mississippi to visit Batson's children. Hospital for a Valentine's Day event. And then I'm back down south for another appearance that night as well. So being Miss Mississippi, I'm on I'm in my car. I'm waking up early. Coffee's in my hand. Makeup is right beside me in the car. Being Miss Mississippi is organized chaos. But it is it's a it's a dream job
0: your platform as you said is mentoring matters tell us about that
5: it, it all goes back to the story of my relationship with miss fern and those times i spent in her office and in the hallways with her just inspiring me i didn't realize the impact that one person could have on a young girl or a student or a young person that just needs that attention. That needs someone to tell them that they're special. I didn't realize how much that would change my life. How much that that would bring me to where I am today. I had surgery to correct my um, condition my senior year of high school. It's extensive surgery, very painful. But I'm so glad that I learned at a young age how inspirational Miss Fern was to me. How moving that mentoring can be in someone's life because it makes you look at someone's heart. It makes you look at your own heart and realize that it's what's within that makes us so special and so beautiful. So I wanted a platform that gave back to our communities in Mississippi and to our nation that inspired our youth. Because in today's world, with social media, with media in general, with image, kids need to know that they're special no matter what. I have to ask you,
0: were you drawn to pageants because you were mocked as a child because of the way you looked?
5: No, I actually competed in the teen version of Miss Mississippi called Miss Mississippi's Outstanding Teen before my surgery. And I was very skeptical. I went, I, I, I'm as far from pretty as, in, you know, in my eyes. I said, no way they're going to make fun of me even more. I'm not doing that program. But I love to sing and I love to do volunteer work because that is kind of how I, I used um, my insecurities as I kept myself busy by volunteering and, and doing community service activities. And I felt Found out that the Miss Mississippi organization, the outstanding teen organization, focuses more on service, scholarship, and what's within than the outer appearance of someone. And I just, you know, pulled myself together. I said, this is going to be something where I can tell people about how mentoring changed my life. I'm going to, you know, regardless of if I win or or not, I'm going to make a difference and show them how hard I've worked with community service regardless of what my face looks like. Surprising as it is, I I won Miss Mississippi's outstanding team because of my heart, not because of what I looked like.
0: Laura Lee Lewis, Miss Mississippi, (laughs) thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Karen, so much. I want to remind you that tonight for Legislative Affairs to find out what's happening in the legislature, watch our At Issue. It's on MPB TV. It starts at 730. Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for local Mississippi-based programs all morning long. Coming up at 9, it's the Gestalt Gardener. Then at 10, next stop, Mississippi. And at 11 o'clock, stay tuned for Southern Remedy for Women. Did you miss part of the show today? Because you can find past episodes of this and other Think Radio programs online at mpbonline.org or by downloading the MPB Public Media app in any mobile store. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again Monday morning at 8.30 for the next Mississippi edition. It's only on MPB Think Radio.
5: Owens, I'm Dr. Allie Brown. Join us on Southern Remedy for Women on MPB Think Radio, where we talk about issues related to health from a woman's perspective. Listen to us on Southern Remedy for Women on Fridays on MPB from 11 to 12. You don't have to be a woman to call in. So we'd love to hear from you. It's the show for women and the people who love them. Listen to us this morning. We'll be taking your calls to answer all your health questions. It's Southern Remedy for Women. This morning at 11 on MPB Think Radio.
3: MPB Think Radio goes off the beaten path with diverse perspectives and award-winning content, attracting an audience who appreciate honesty and value. Sound familiar? Reach your target audience with an MPB underwriting credit. For more information, go to mpbonline.org.